Okay, so we are on today, Psachim Daf Nundalid. We're starting on Nundgil Amud Bet, Mishnah, right at the wide line. So it's easy to find. This is talking about whether you have to light. Now, we take for granted many things that, again, the Gemara does not always take for granted, but we take for granted. In the times of the Mishnah, there were different minhagim as to whether one should light a candle on the night of Yom Kippur, meaning for, like we do Hadlakat Ner for Shabbat. Of course, everybody agrees, Ladik Ner Shal Shabbat, that everybody agrees upon. But what about Yom Kippur? It's also kind of like Shabbat. We light a candle then. So it says, So it's saying it's a matter of minhag, that the places that they had a custom to light the candle on, on the afternoon or evening, you know, of, of Yom Kippur, would do so, and the ones that didn't have that custom would not do so. Uh, However, everybody agrees that you have to light candles in the Bet Knesset, obviously in the synagogue, so people can pray, in the Bate Midrash, people can learn, um, and in the alleyways that are dark and, and where there are ill people. In other words, practical lighting, for sure you have to do. You have to light... Uh, you know, in the places where they're going to be praying, in the places where they're going to be learning, if there's somebody sick, if, if there's an area like that needs street lamps, basically, of course they have to light. But the question is, do you do lahadlik ner shel yom kippurim? Do you do like we, well, like we do, you know, typically? Whether you have to do that or not, that was a matter of custom. And interestingly, the Gemara is going to explain the basis for the custom. It says in a brighter, ben shamul ladik, ben shamul shlodadik, shnehem ledevar chadnit kavnu. The interesting is, thing is that whether you hold that you are supposed to light a candle for Yom Kippurim or not, it's the same reason. Meaning, obviously, you know, normally the, um, the, the halakha, the, the, the mitzvah of lighting candles in Leil Shabbat is actually connected to Seudav Shabbat. It's that a person is not supposed to eat in the dark because it would be very unpleasant to eat in the dark. That's the reason why, the, you know, the Hadlakat near Shabbat most agree that that's, that's the purpose of it. So if a person, let's, and that's why, you know, people try to light it in an area where you're going to be during the meal so you don't have to eat in the dark, right? So, so the question is, what about Yom Kippur? You don't eat. So what do you need lighting for? So it says, that they have the same intent, both of them. Now the Gemara doesn't expressly say here what it is, but, the, but Rashi explains it. He says, Those who lit candles, and those who didn't, they only had one purpose, to keep himself away from relations, intimate relations with the wife. Because the one who says you're supposed to light a candle is because you don't uh, have relations with a candle lit. So it will dissuade them from having relations. So you're not supposed to be in the light when you have relations. And those who say not to light. The problem is that if you see your wife, maybe you're going to have a desire for her because, you know, the lighting is that, is that way. And, and you're gonna, so it's better to be in the dark. So the question is, should we put lights on to prevent intimacy or turn the lights off to prevent intimacy? That's the question. But everyone agrees that the purpose is to prevent intimacy. The interesting thing is that um, both on Shabbat and on Yom Kippur, it's connected to some other aspect of the day, the lighting of the candles, right? In the case of the Shabbat candles, it's really for the meal, and here it's really for the Tashmish uh, Shambita. Amar of Yehoshua says, Darash Ravarava had the following drasha that he gave, and on the side here it says that it's not Rav it says Av Rav Yehoshua is not in the in most of the uh, Ketvayat. I thought that was strange because I've never heard of Rav Yehoshua before. There's only Rabbi Yehoshua. So it says many of the uh, texts do not have that. Fine. Rosh Rav Rav said the following: It says your people are all righteous. They will uh, they will inherit the land forever. Right. 
בין שאמרו להדליק, בין שאמרו שלא להדליק, שהם לא נתכוונו על דבר אחד, it shows the holiness of the Jewish people, meaning all of your people are righteous, meaning their intent is a pure intent, whether they decided to light candles or not light candles for the right reason. The only time we ever bless on the candle is Motzei Shabbat. This is now talking about Havdalah, not talking about Erev Shabbat, right? Only on Motzei Shabbat, because that was the beginning of the creation of light. Light, fire was created, as the Gemara is going to get into it, right, on the night of Motzei Shabbat. And therefore, in order to commemorate that, we have a certain elder said, This is correct. Now again, the text, many of the Kitveyad, many of the manuscripts don't have this word. That's exactly what Rabbi Yochanan said, that we only bless on a candle on Motzei Shabbat. One time, Ula was riding on a donkey, Vazil, and he was walking along, and he had two um, other rabbis with him. Rabbi Abba was on his right, and Rabbi Abba was on his left. Rabbi Abba, Rabbi Abba said to him, meaning to Ula who was riding, said to him, right? Uh, is it true what was said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan? That we only have uh, a blessing on Moreha Esh on Motzei Shabbat. Is that true? Because that was the beginning of its creation, that the fire was created on, on Motzei Shabbat. Is it really true? Hadar Ula, Ula turned around. He gave like a nasty look to Rabbi Barbachana, like, did you report this in the name of Rabbi Yochanan? This is not true. You know, it must have come from you. And, you know, he gave him a look. He didn't say anything, but he gave him a look. So Rabbi Barbachana said, I never said that. I said the following. That there was a Tana. These Tanaim, when it says there was a Tana that taught, it means that the people would memorize Mishnayot and Braytot and they would recite them. It was their version of having, uh, having uh, Google. Or having, you know, some kind of resource for the content. So these memorizers would, would say over the teaching. Yeah, so it's a, it was like, Siri, what is the, uh, what is the Tosef to say? And then they would, they would say it over by heart. They didn't understand what they were, didn't necessarily understand it. Atana said in front of Rabbi Yochanan, the following, Rabbi Shimon ben Lazar Omer, Yom Kippurim Shechaliot Beshabbat, Avmakom Shamur Shalolalik Madlikin, Nek for the Shabbat, that Yom Kippur, now this is talking about the afternoon, the eve of Yom Kippur, era of Yom Kippur, right? They only said, Avmakom Shamur Shalolalik, even in communities where they don't light candles for Yom Kippur like we said in the Mishnah there, was, there were places that the Minhag was to light places where the Minhag was not to light if it's Shabbat everybody agrees you have to light because of the honor of Shabbat and Rabbi Yochanan said that the Chachamim say no meaning that that was the opinion of Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar but since the reason for the people who don't want to light candles on the, on the night of Yom Kippur the reason is because they don't want people to come to have relations so they're not going to light even if it is Shabbat according to the rabbis because after all the reason for lighting normally on Shabbat is in order to make a beautiful area for the meal and the reason for lighting and, for, and the problem with lighting and there is no meal on Yom Kippur and the, re, and the problem with lighting according to the people of the Minhag not to light is that it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause intimacy so therefore they didn't light even on when it fell out on Shabbat according to the Chachami okay so in other words I never said anything about I wasn't talking about Motzei Shabbat I wasn't talking about that there's that for Havdalah the only time we bless on the uh, on the fire is Motzei Shabbat um, I, I, the, I only said that about Erev Shabbat the, the statement of Rabbi Yochanan that I quoted and Rashi says here the reason why Ula was upset because he thought that uh, Rabbi Yochanan agrees that on Motzei Yom Kippur you also have Bore Meorei Ha'esh and the Havdalah like we do 
right? So why are you saying, why are you claiming that he said something other than that? And he said, no, what I was talking about was the Rabbi Yochanan said that on Erev Yom Kippur, there's no candle, even if it falls on Shabbat. I wasn't talking about Motzei Shabbat. And then it says, Amar Lei, as I said back to him, so she says, Zot right? So he says that this is a, so he says, that's the way it is. Meaning, in this I agree. I agree that Rabbi Yochanan said that, right? That's the way, Adate is a funny language, but Rashi explains, I mean, Zot Tihye, Bazo Ani Meaning, I agree that Rabbi Yochanan did say that, that in a place where they don't light candles on the night of Yom Kippur, they don't light it even if it is. Shabbat, however, Motzei Shabbat, they do light candles for, where they don't light them, but they use fire for uh, Havdalah. Okay, and Karele Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef said about this, now remember what Rav Yosef said last time when he had a, a witty comment about uh, relying on the people who are lenient. Here he says something else. Maim Amukim Etza Belev Ish, the... The etza, the advice in the heart of a person, or the wisdom in the heart of a person, is like deep water. And a a man of understanding will draw that water out. In other words, if you're understanding, you can extract wisdom and knowledge from someone who has it. Okay, that's the that's the pasuk. But he interprets it says, "What does it mean that the etza, the insight of a person, is like deep water?" That was Ula because Ula didn't have to say anything. He just gave a look to Rabbi Barbachanan. Rabbi Barbachanan realized that he needed to clarify something. He didn't have to say anything, right? That Rabbi Barbachanan was the understanding person. In other words, if you can understand when your wife gives you a look and trying to communicate to you without saying something explicitly, you're ishtvuna. That's what it's talking about. It means that she could just give you a look. And you know, oh, I need to be quiet or I need to do something different because she says, say, say, no. right? I'm in trouble. But you understand that you draw from it because you are you're very understanding. Okay, now, so the question is, um, so, so Rashi says, so, uh, so Rabba and Ula, that both agreed that this was not correct, that Rabbi Yochanan never said that there was no fire on Motzei Yom Kippur. There is fire on Yom, Motzei Yom Kippur. So what was their position? That we have a blessing on the fire, on the Borei Esh, whether it is Motzei Shabbat or Motzei Yom Kippur. Not only Motzei Shabbat, and that is the practice today. In other words, it's not because... See, there are two reasons why you might make a blessing on the fire of Havdalah or the light of Havdalah. One is because that is when fire was created. That's what it said before. And that would only be relevant to Shabbat. That would only be relevant to Motzei Shabbat. However, if the reason is because it's Davar Chadash, that on Yom Kippur you're not allowed to use fire. Just like on Shabbat you're not allowed to use fire. So it's a Davar Chadash as opposed to after Yom Tov. On Yom Tov you're allowed to cook with fire. What's the big Chidush? Now you're showing that you have fire. So what? Doesn't mean anything. That's why we don't do it on Motzei Yom Tov. But Yom Kippur should be the same. Made the objection in there's a brighter that says exactly the opposite of what you just said. Actually, it says like what uh, Rabbi Abba said, that we only bless on fire on Motzei Shabbat because that's when it was created. And if you see fire on your way home from Arvit, even before you got home, right, you should say the blessing as soon as you see it, meaning don't wait till you get home. Right, Rabbi Yehuda says, "No, no, do it like we do. Organize it, alakos. Do it together with the with the havdalah, with the cup of wine and everything. Don't do it on your way home. You saw light and you said on the way home." And Rabbi Yochanan said that the Rabbi Yehuda. So that sounds pretty clear. 
that you don't say any boy mewe ha'esh in the Havdalav Motzei Yom Kippur because it says you only do it for Motzei Shabbat. What's the answer? Lakasha. Kan bo'osh Shabbat. Kan bo'osh he'otem mina yitzim mina avanim. It depends. When it comes to Shabbat, we have two reasons for saying a bacha on light on Motzei Shabbat. Number one, that it was created on Motzei Shabbat. Number two, that it's something new. Right? That it was forbidden, now it's permitted. On Yom Kippur, we only have one of those things. We only have that it was forbidden, now it's permitted. So therefore, if the candle, then that's why we always set a candle aside, right? If the candle from before Shabbat, from before Yom Kippur was burning the whole time. So this candle went from being forbidden to permitted. So now we have something to bless on. Wow, we weren't allowed to move this candle around and utilize it before. Now we can. So we say, boy, boy, ish. Right? On Shabbat, you don't have to leave a candle burning the whole Shabbat and then use only that specific candle for the Havdalah on Motzei Shabbat. Because you have another reason to say a blessing on fire on Motzei Shabbat, which is that it was created on Motzei Shabbat. But when it comes to Motzei Yom Kippur, it has to be what's called Ner Shabbat. It has to be a candle that wasn't brought from the Etzim and the Avanim, that you didn't just generate right now. Because that won't have the significance that it was prohibited before and now it's permitted. Because before it didn't exist. Right? So you have to take a candle that actually existed. That one bright says, One says that light that comes out of you can say the blessing. One says you can't. Again, that one is, one is Shabbat, one is Yom Kippur. Shabbat, you don't have a rule that you have to leave the candle burning the whole time. Yom Kippurim, you do. Rabbi was not so careful to say these bachot over the uh, single cup. Right, meaning when he would see fire, he would say "boy maya esh" on Motzei Shabbat. When he would have, he would say, "Oh, there's some nice potpourri. I'm gonna smell it." Boy maya b'sami. When he would see enough, and then he only had the "boy priya gefen" and "hamavdil ben kodesh lechol" over the cup. He didn't have the other bachot over the cup. He would, whenever he had the chance, he would go smell something when he came home. Boy maya b'sami. He see a fire. Boy maya esh. But Rabbi Chia. Rabbi Chia would put them together, meaning he would make made it into one ritual, the way that we do Havdalah today. Even though it's true that Rabbi for himself used to do that, he used to, whenever he would see, it was smelled Bissamim right after Shabbat. Let's say, for example, a person is going home uh, to... Uh, uh, you know, and he comes to Kenisan, they have like, they have the rose water. You could say, Borim Besamim, and then he gets home. J- uh, Rabbi would just do that. He would see candle, he would say the blessing, and he'd get home, he would just do Hagefen and Hamavdil. But, So it says that he would actually go home afterwards and do the whole Havdalah again for his family. So even with, with the other two Bachot, with the Besamim and with the Moreha Ish, which is interesting because there are people that raise issues with doing that, right? But here it sounds like that's what he would do because even though Personally, he did the bisamim in the at, at the earliest opportunity, and he did the uh, he did the moreha esh at the earliest opportunity. But then he would put them back together into one series for his family. For Orba Motzei Shabbat, is it really true that light was created on Motzei Shabbat? We learned that there were actually ten things that were created on erev Shabbat. Elohen be'er. One is the well that traveled with Bnei Israel in the midbar, with the the well that was able to provide them with water even in the desert. Vehaman, the man was created. Then we know what the man is. The man. The keshet, the ra- the keshet is uh, meaning the uh, the rainbow of of um, of Noach that supports like what the Ramban says that really the the rainbow pre- existed before it's part of nature it's just that it got a new significance when when Hashem said to Noach that this. Uh, uh, and that's why it's in the past tense. At Kashtina Tati Be'anan. I already put it there. Meaning it's not like nature changed and there were no rainbows before the Mabut. Ketav, the writing, Umichtav. Now Rashi gives two interpretations of what Ketav Umichtav means. One is that Ketav means the 
of the pronunciation of the letters and, and mikhtav means the form of the letters. The other possibility is that kitav refers to the form of the letters and mikhtav refers to the implements for writing, for the, the first writing, the, the, uh, the, the way in which they inscribe things, meaning the tools that were used um, uh, to, to inscribe things. The, the, the original luchot, the uh, two tablets of the Aseret uh, HaDibot, and the grave of Moshe, and the cave where Moshe and Eliyahu both stood in Chorev, in Har Chorev, um, the opening of the mouth of Bil'am's donkey, meaning that was something ordained from uh, the beginning of creation. And of course, the opening of the ground in the times of Korach. It's very interesting because the Rambam talks about this a lot in, in a couple of places and uh, in, the, in his uh, commentary in Pirkei Avot also that you, know, you see from this and also in the Rana Bochim that you see from this that the Chachamim preferred to see miracles as built into nature. Not that God is breaking the nature but it's built in there from the beginning with Hashem's plan. Rabbi Nechemiah Omer Mishum Rabbi Nechemiah said the name of his father Af Ha'ur Ba'peret also the Or and the Peret also fire and, uh, and the uh, mule that normally we think is created from the mating of two species that don't really go together right but uh, but the uh, and that's why I can't have any other um, uh, children but the uh, but there was one created from the beginning of creation that's why Rashi says it's not something that was created for the, from the beginning uh, by human beings but actually Hashem created one during the uh, uh, during the Benesh Mashot of the end of the creation and also fire. What? It doesn't, doesn't work, Mr. Perry. Why? Right. He didn't, though. No, meaning, that, it, meaning that, the, that human beings didn't create anything for the first time. The only way we can see a new one would be if we, you know, if we had the, the mixed species mating. But there was already one as an example before that. That's what it's saying. What's but it's going to discuss that in a second. It's going to say that. We didn't get up to it. Rabbi Yoshiao Mer Mishum Aviv, Afa Ail Vashamir. Also, the ram that, that Avraham Avinu ended up substituting for Yitzchak. Lucky that it was there, otherwise, that Yitzchak would have been finished. You know, so it's good that it was there. And also, Hashamir, also the Shamir. It's not talking about Yitzchak Shamir. It's talking about uh, the worm that they used. Yeah, some people might think the, the, the worm that was used for, uh, bo- for cutting stones and uh, had this ability to cut stones so they didn't have to use metal tools in times of Shlomo Melech, Rabbi Udaomer, even the, even the, uh, uh, the tongues, is it Tzavat that you're talking about, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Since you need tongues to make tongues, because you have to hold it to weld it over the fire. So where are you going to get the original one? Uh, it must be that it was created by Hashem. In other words, the first tongues were given to uh, Adam Arishon, so he would be able to make other ones. They said to him, It's possible to make tongues without other tongues, which is that you just heat things up, you pour it into a, into a mold. What's the problem? Right? Uh, so, so therefore they said, um, so it says, Kevan, so if that's true, it could just be a, uh, a created by a human being. But the point is that that's, that's a machloket. So one person says that it was created, that the only way, to, the normal way to make tongues is using other tongues, so therefore Hashem must have given the first ones. Or you could say that a, a human being could make it. Okay. But in, other, in any case, so the question is here, it's saying that fire was created on Erev Shabbat, the Benesh Mashot, not in the, not in the, uh, not in the Motzei Shabbat, like you're saying, right? Um... So it says, Lakasha hab or didan. That's talking about our fire. Hab or the geinam. What was created on Erev Shabbat was the fire of geinam, not the fire of, uh, not the fire that you use. I mean, you, you know, so this sort of says, or didan, let's say Shabbat. 
right? Or the Ginaber of Shabbat. So that would mean that uh, our fire was created on Motzei Shabbat, but the fire of Gedam was from Erev Shabbat. Or the Gedam of Shabbat. Is that really true? Was that created on Erev Shabbat? Hatana, we learned Shabbat Vayim Devo Kodem Shinivra Olam. There were seven things that were created even before the world was created, not on the not on the Yom Hashishi, right? Ve'loi in Torah, one is Torah, Tshuva, Gan Eden, Gehinam. So all of these things predated the existence of the world. They were, they were day minus one. They weren't even day one. Okay, not day six. Right? That's from, uh, that's uh, Pasuk from Mishlei. Right? Hashem was, uh, right? Meaning from before his creation. Before he created anything, he already had the wisdom of Torah. So that predated the universe. That's from Moshe Rabbeinu's Tfilah. Right? That um, even before, Tfilah to Moshe Isha Elohim, that Hashem will, uh, it says that before the mountains were created, that you will reduce a person, you'll break them down, and tell them to return. Meaning it was, even before the universe was created, the idea of Teshuvah existed, before the Mountains were created, meaning before the world was built. Gan Eden, Hashem Elohim, Gan Beden Mikedem. It says, now Mikedem could mean to the east, right? But it's saying that, uh, that, uh, Kedem uh, here doesn't mean east, but it means from the beginning, meaning even from before the creation of the world. Geinam, which indicates that Eden here is, means some kind of a spiritual thing, not necessarily a physical location. Geinam, Dichtiv, that there's a, that it was set up the place where people go who are enticed, meaning the, um, the, uh, the, uh, the, the Geinam, that it's interpre- interpreted as Geinam in Yishayahu, right? It says, They said that that's referring to a place that is set for the punishment of the wicked, meaning Geinam. So that's from the very beginning. Etmul is like Etmul, from before, meaning from before the first day it already existed. It says that the, the, the throne of glory, which was elevated from the beginning, the place of the Mikdash, it says, from the beginning, from, from Rishon, from before the creation of the world, it existed in some concept. Shmo shel Mashiach, dichtiv, yishmo le'olam lefnei shemesh, yinon shemo. So the yinon, is the, it says, is the name of the Mashiach, and it says le'olam, before the creation of the sun, meaning there was always, so we have to interpret this, obviously these are all uh, meant in an allegorical way. It doesn't mean these physical things existed before the universe existed, because it doesn't even make any sense. But meaning the concept that there would be a bit of the concept of Teshuvah, the concept of Gainab, all these things existed, um, prior to the creation of the world, there were necessary conditions for the uh, creation of the world even before it came into existence. But in any case, so they said, <laughs> what it means is that the opening where the Gehinam fire is going to be was created before the uh, world, but, but, the, but the fire didn't get lit until Erev Shabbat. Okay, still, we don't agree that the fire of Gehinam was created in Erev Shabbat. That was created in Erev Shabbat. But then we learned in the Brighthat. The light that Hashem made on the second day of creation never will be extinguished. Okay? It says that uh, that the uh, they will go out and they will see those who were the sinners against Hashem that their um, their the fire will never be extinguished, right? So that that fire. Rabbi Bana said in the name of Rabbi Ula, 
Kitov b'sheni b'shabbat. Why doesn't it say Kitov in the creation on, uh, on the second day? Because that's when the fire of Gainam was created. So we have a lot of, we, we can't say that the, that the light that was created on the sixth day is talking about the fire of Gainam. It must have been on the second day because it says that the fire of Gainam was created on the, on the, uh, on the second day here and that that's the fire that's never going to be extinguished. So what, what was created on Erev Shabbat then? Even though the second day got left out of the cheshbon of all the things that were good, that was it's included in the one in the end that Hashem saw everything was good. Okay, so the point is that now we have a problem because we have a mention of the creation of light or fire on Arab Shabbat, and we say the Gainam that well, that couldn't be the Gainam because that was mentioned on the second day. Right? So we know that before the creation of the world was something, and the second day was something, and the Erev Shabbat was something, and then what's left for Motzei Shabbat? Because we're trying to say that human fire was created on Motzei Shabbat. Rather, the opening where the Geinam is was before the creation of the world. And the fire was on the second day, meaning on the second day of creation. The idea, the concept of fire came up on Erev Shabbat for human beings, but but it didn't actually come to fruition until Motzei Shabbat. So therefore we have a way to break this up into, so even though the concept or the idea existed on Erev Shabbat, meaning before the world was finalized and completed, it wasn't actually discovered until Motzei Shabbat by Adam. It says in there were two things that went that the concept came up to create them before the creation was complete but they didn't actually get completed until Motzei Shabbat and it was on Motzei Shabbat that Hashem gave the idea to Adam and understanding an idea as if he were Shelmala, like it was something that came, a divine source of in, understanding. He rubbed two, two uh, uh, rocks together. He didn't even have to be a, a Boy Scout. He figured out on his own. And, it, and the light and the fire came out from that. And then he saw and Hashem gave him the idea to put the two animals that don't really are not of the same species together and a mule came from them. In other words, the idea, this is a very, very deep concept behind these, these Agadot. We're running through them because it's tough, you'll me. But the idea that Hashem basically entrusted to Adam certain ideas that Hashem willed that human beings be the ones to discover because human beings are the ones are because uh, it says Hashem wants the human beings He created the world so that we do and we continue. We continue building, developing it, right? So that's the idea and the concept that... Um, that Adam got this understanding as soon as Shabbat was over, meaning as soon as he recognized Hashem's creation, now he had the obligation and the, and the responsibility to start creating, right? In that same spirit. This is not true that, uh, that, the, that the mule was from because we actually find in the Torah at the end of Parashat Vaishlach that it says that one of the descendants of, uh, of, of Esav was the one who, uh, who actually discovered the... Um, uh, or actually, it's in the parasha that discusses the descendants of Esau, but it's not one of his descendants, but it's, what, it's in the parasha that discusses the descendants of Esau. It mentions, um, it mentions the, uh, among the Chiti, right? That are, they were related to Esau, but not his actual descendants. One of them, it says, Anna was the one who found the mule, because it says, Shinemar, who Anna, Asher Matzata Yemimba Midbar, he found the mules. In the desert, meaning he discovered the idea of breeding mules, is how they understand it to mean matzahimtzi, that he actually did it himself, he created it. Or some say dorsheh shumot, I think, right? That it means that the, those who, would, who interpreted the secrets of the Torah said, anapasulaya, 
that Anna was a pasul person. He was a mamzer. Therefore, he brought invalid things to the world. Because it says these are the children of Seir Achori. And it says these are the sons of Tzivon. Right? That it says that uh, above it said when it, when it listed uh, Anna, it listed him as one of the brothers of Tzivon. It said that Tzivon and Anna were brothers. Right, but later on, it, but it also says Ele Benet Sifon, the sons of Sifon, and Anna is one of them. So which one is it? Right, at, at first it says of the Bnei Seira Chori that one of them is Anna and one of them is Sifon, that they're brothers. But later on it says these are the sons of Sifon. Ve'ayav Anna, that Anna was one of his Ele Melamed Shabbat Sifon Alimo. What it must be is that Sifon had relations with his own mother. Vo'olid Mimena Anna. So they were both a bro- they were brothers and. Uh, and also, uh, he was his father. In other words, Sivon was was the father of uh, Anna, but also his brother because it was with his mother. Right? Vedilma tre How do you know that? Maybe it's just two different people with the name Anna. Why do you have to make such an, uh, uh, a crazy story? I'm going to say something that Shavur Malka, that the that even the Persian king didn't say. What What do you mean the Persian king? He's not talking about. Uh, not talking about Nadershah. What, what does he mean? Umanu Umanu Shmuel, meaning Shmuel was considered like a king because he had he was the chief Dayan. He was a chief uh, 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 judge, and he was given a lot of power and authority by the uh, by the Persian uh, by the Persian authorities to judge and 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 uh, rule on civil cases and so on. So they called him the king, right? Some say it was Rafa that he said it was. I'm going to say something that the king of Persia didn't uh, didn't say, meaning to say not Shmuel uh, but Rava. And what should it really say on the side? Would say. Rabba, yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, Rabba, not Rava. That Amar Kwa, who Anna? Because since the Pasuk says, who Anna? This was Anna. So that means, who Anna the Mikra, that the two Anna mentioned in, the, in, the, in that same section are the same person. So in other words, that's the Chidush there. The Chidush is that they were really the same individual, the Anna. So it was, the, both his, it was the brother of Tzivon and also the son of Tzivon. So it just shows you he was a Pasul person because he came from an illicit relationship and therefore he was the one who invented the idea of producing mules by mating different species together that didn't go together, right? So that, so that would mean that it came by the hands of human beings and not by the hands of, uh, not by the hands of Hashem. The, 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 the Persian king was that has to do with our... He, does just, he was just called him that. He was saying, you know, he's like, we call, uh, then you, you know, like they called uh, uh, Frank Sinatra the chairman of the board and they called El- Elvis the king. Oh, yeah. He's saying the king, it's just, that's how they would call him. Not that he was actually the king. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. We're not talking about that. He doesn't have to keep the mitzvot. <laughs> he only gave them to us. If he created it, it would be. If he created it, it would be you know more uh, more like. Look, there's nothing you can create that Hashem couldn't also create. There's nothing that we. It's, everything we create is built on what Hashem created. We don't create anything totally new, right? But the question is, would you consider that something totally new or just a recombination of things that already existed? That that, that would be the question. And anyway, the rabbis thought. Um, there are ten things that were created on Erev Shabbat Ben Eshmashot Ve'elohen Be'er Uman Ve'keshet Ha'ktav Ha'mikhtav Ha'luchot Kibor Shel Moshe Ha'marash Ha'mad Ba Moshe Ve'eliyahu Ptichat Pi'aton Ptichat Pi'aret Zevloh Et Ha'roshayim Right, we already saw this these, this list, right? Those ten things Now, but now Ve'yesh Omrim Ha'makloh Shel Aron Sh'kedeh Pachea Some say also the staff of Aron With its almonds and its, uh, and its flowers that came out Ve'yesh Omrim Ha'fa Mazikin Some say even the demons that, uh, that, that go around Ve'yesh Omrim Ha'af 
Bigdosh uh, Adam Arishon, also the clothing of Adam Arishon. And Rashi says here something interesting. That this was a special garment that Hashem made that had pictures of all the different animals on it, and that eventually Nimrod came into possession of it, and so on. And there's lots of midrashim about that, and I think say also that Esav eventually got it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tanu Rabbanan, Shivat Varim Mechusim Bnei Adam. There are, there are seven things that are hidden from human beings. The day you're going to die. The day you're going to be consoled. Now, interestingly, Rashi interprets that not to mean the consolation of the Mashiach, but actually to mean that when you're going through troubles, a person doesn't know when he's going to get through them. It's something that Hashem doesn't show you. You, you go through a difficult time. But the depth of judgment can again, Rashi say, says, either means the depth of human judgment, meaning judgment is a very deep thing and, and, and we never get to the bottom of things, or it means Hashem's judgment. You never really know what your friend is thinking, as we know. And a person doesn't really know how he's going to make money because every uh, investment is a is a question. And the um, and the uh, and the Malchut Beit David Matai Tachzor. We don't know when exactly the kingdom of David is going to come back. When will the evil kingdom fall? We don't know the answer to these things. That there are three things that came up in Hashem's mind, so to speak, to be created, and even if they hadn't been, so to speak, meaning that we can. That means to say that. Even if Hashem had not, there are certain things that were created and we don't understand why and it doesn't make any sense, but there are certain things that even if they hadn't been created, we would say they should have been, meaning we could see why they were created. What are those? That a dead body will become putrid. Now, this is important because that, otherwise people would keep their dead ancestors around, right? As some, there are some cultures that, uh, not around here, but in the, you know, Eastern cultures where they, uh, in the Far East, that they keep their, uh, they keep their dead. It's, it's strange. I think it's in the Far East. I, re- I read an article about it. I can't remember where it is, but they, they keep their dead around in the house like for years and they, it's a strange, right? But if that wouldn't happen, the other thing is that we forget those who die eventually, not completely forget them, but that the pain of the loss dissipates so we're able to go on. And also um, that, uh, that grain gets rotten. And they say the reason for this is because if grain didn't get rotten, then what would happen? Because otherwise people would hoard it. In other words, the fact that, it's, that it has a shelf life means that the wealthy people have to sell it. And since they have to sell it, that means other people will get to eat. <laughs> Otherwise, they would hoard it forever, right? So that's it's, it's very interesting. What? You can't, there's a limit on how long you can store grain. It will become wormy. It will become rotten, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And some say even on the idea of currency, that currency, the existence of currency as opposed to bartering system was another thing that was really critical for human society. Now the Mishnah says, In a place where they had the tradition, the custom of doing on Tisha B'Av, they do. In every place, should not work on Tisha B'Av, regardless of a custom. A person should act like a Tamil Chacham in this respect. Meaning, should avoid working on Tisha B'Av, no matter what, even if he's not a Tamil Chacham. says, There is no real public fast in Babylonia that we observe, except for Tisha B'Av. Now, this is a reference to that in the, in the Mishnayot and Masachet Ta'anit, it talks about fasts for lack of rain. That they, would, they started out as very lenient fasts, they became stricter and stricter as time went by until it was a very intense fast like Tisha B'Av when they had Atzirat Gishamim, when they had um, they really had a long period of drought. Okay, so he says, we don't have the only fast that we have that's com- comparable to that, where it's a full 24 hour fast, 
is uh, is Tisha B'Av. They started out with just the Chachamim fasting, then they would fast a day, but not a night, and, and the women that were pregnant didn't fast, and then eventually they dial it up to the level of Tisha B'Av. We don't have that. He said the only time we have a rabbinic fast where everyone has to fast, including pregnant women, and they have to fast for 24 hours is Tisha B'Av. Now, now what does that mean? So the implication is that Tisha B'Av, the, uh, the, the Benash Mashot, Meaning the evening when it's bet- what, right after sunset is forbidden because he's saying that uh, that you not because it says that we're as strict as a tanit zibur on uh, on uh, tisha b'av and tanit zibur even the doubtful time meaning even after sunset they already had started observing it. This is not the halacha, but Shmuel said that ben hashmashot on tisha b'av meaning the beginning of the fast is still lenient. You don't have to worry about it right at the at the moment of sunset keeping tisha b'av. And if you'll say Shmuel says kol tanit zibur ben hashmashot shalom mutar that maybe he says that about all public fasts. No, because it says in masechet tanit that you can. Only eat as long as it is day. Once the sun goes down, you have to start keeping those fast. And yet, in Tisha B'Av, it sounds like he's giving you another twenty minutes to an hour of Benish Mashot. So, so it says, So obviously he's saying over there with regard to the other fasts that Benesh Mashot is forbidden. And yet he said Benesh Mashot is okay for Tisha B'Av. So it says, No, it doesn't mean that. It just means that the fast is, uh, it, it, it has to begin by nighttime. But actually Benesh Mashot, that hour between sunset and st- stars coming out or 20 minutes or whatever it is, 30 minutes, however much time, that time is not, doesn't count. Why? Because since it's only a Dirabanan and we could be lenient according to Shmuel. This seems to be a support for him because it says that there's no difference between Tisha B'Av and, and, and Yom Kippur except that one of them the doubt is permitted and one of them the doubt is forbidden. Now what does that mean? What does it mean the doubt is permitted? Doesn't it mean in other words when the sun first goes down on Yom Kippur you're already keeping Yom Kippur for sure but Tisha B'Av you have another 20, 30, 40 minutes. It says no that's not what it means. What it means is Rashi explains it regarding the setup of the calendar. In other words if there's a doubt about when Rosh Chodesh was you don't have to keep two days of Tisha B'Av. If there was a doubt about when Yom Kippur would be, you would have to keep two days. Now, nowadays, our custom, even though we keep two days for all the holidays, we don't keep it for Yom Kippur because it's not a minhag that the people would be able to handle. So we don't have that custom. And since we actually do know the day, we're not that, we don't go overboard. There were cases in history where they actually had a doubt about it, like in Japan and stuff like that, where they had a problem. There was also a story in the Yushalmi about somebody who tried to do it in Masechet Rosh Hashanah, the Yushalmi, and he died. So we don't do it. Anyway, said, it says regarding regarding Tisha B'Av that pregnant women have to complete the fast just like Yom Kippur and Benesh Mashot is forbidden on Tisha B'Av uh, meaning to say, and Rabbi Yochanan said the same thing that Benesh Mashot, once the sun goes down and Erev Tisha B'Av, you cannot eat, you don't get that extra Benesh Mashot, period. Is that really true? Didn't Rabbi Yochanan himself say that Tisha B'Av is more lenient? It's not like a Tanit Zibur. My love, the Benesh Mashot, and didn't he intend that we have an extra half hour after the sun goes down to eat on Erev Tisha B'Av? No! He meant with regard to working. That, that, that on those very strict 
uh, public fast for a drought, you weren't allowed to work. It was a sur to work. And Tishabav, you're allowed. It says, no, we already have that in the Mishnah. So, even Rabban Shemobah Gamliel that said that, you should, that everybody should abstain from Melacha and Tishabav didn't mean that it's forbidden to do Melacha. He's saying, don't, don't do Melacha. It's preferable not to. And a person should just, you know, it doesn't look like you're showing off. It doesn't look like you're Yohara, it doesn't look like you are showing off by not working. Uh, it's okay to sit and not work some days anyway. You might as well take a day off for Tisha B'Av. Everybody should do that. But it's not an Isur. It's not forbidden. We already know that. Right? So, he, so Rabbi Yochanan wouldn't have to tell us that. Ela mai enoketanit sibur. What he meant was that there's no ni'ila on Tisha B'Av. The Tanit Tzibor had ni'ila. They actually had ni'ila on those fasts. On the, on the, when they had the very intense fasts towards the end of the uh, drought, they actually had ni'ila and everything. So it says, Rabbi Yochanan has a famous statement in Masechet Bachot where he said, that If only a person doesn't have the word in the original, right? That it would be great for a person to pray all the time. So why, why would he not allow you to do ni'ilan to if you want, it says, that is talking about there's the obli- an obligation, meaning there's no obligation to do on Tisha B'Av. That doesn't mean you wouldn't be allowed to add an extra tefillah. According to Rabbi Yochanan, you could add whenever you want. What does he mean that it's not like a public fast? Regarding the 24 because if you look <coughs> in Masechet Tanit, it talks about how when they would have these public fasts, they, all, they added into the Amidah an extra bunch of Bachot, an extra actually uh, six Bachot, which if you had 18 Bachot in the Amidah, you would end up with 24. We have actually 19, so it would end up with 25. But they would add extra Bachot that related to asking God to answer them during the time of drought. And these we do not add on Tisha B'Av. So therefore, that's what he meant when he said it was different. What did Rabbi Yochanan actually mean when he said the fast of Tisha B'Av is not like the Tisha is not like the, the public fast? He meant it's not like the early ones that are lenient. It's like the later ones that are strict. Is that really true? Again, they ask the same question. Doesn't the Brite say that the doubt of Tisha B'Av is more lenient than the doubt of Yom Kippur? Meaning that Ben Hashemashot is, is permitted, that you're allowed right after sunset to still eat for another half hour. Like we saw before, that it means no. It means you don't have to keep two days of Tisha B'Av even if you have a problem with the calendar. So the implication is that in every other respect... Right? They are the same. Right? Oh, I'm sorry. It went back. Right? right. So that, that you're not allowed to dip even your finger into water on Tisha B'Av the same way as on Yom Kippur. You're not allowed to get your hand wet at all. But there is an objection in Tisha B'Av But another bright said that the only difference between Tisha B'Av and other fasts, the strict public fast, is that the strict public fast you're not allowed to work and Tisha B'Av you are, right? Right? In a place that you're allowed to work, where the custom is to work. That means that in every other respect, Tisha B'Av and the other fasts are the same. And with regard to the other fast, it said, Meaning, unlike Yom Kippur, on the other public fasts, you're allowed to wash your face and your hands and your feet. Just not, uh, you're not allowed to use hot water and you're not allowed to wash your whole body. So maybe, so that's, it's, so if you're saying Tisha B'Av is the same as 
the public fast. So why are you saying on one hand you're not allowed to dip your finger into water like Yom Kippur? Should be like the other fasts where you're allowed to wash your face and your hands. Papa, Papa said, Tana kule kule katane. The answer is that the Tana means in terms of leniencies. There's nothing more lenient about Tisha B'Av than the other public fasts, except that on Tisha B'Av you are allowed to work if the custom is to work. But there's no other leniency. That doesn't mean that every stringency is being discussed. It could be that there's stringencies on Tisha B'Av that don't apply to other fasts. And one of them is that the law of washing on Tisha B'Av is the same as the law of washing on Yom Kippur that you're not even allowed to wash a little bit. Obviously, to remove dirt is allowed. And we also wash the tips of our fingers in the morning for Netilat Yadayim. Um, but, in term, but beyond that, we don't do washing on Tisha B'Av on the level of Yom Kippur. But when they had those Taniyot Tzibur of the rain, they didn't have a rule that you weren't allowed to wash your face. You were allowed to wash your hands and face, just not washing for pleasure, hot water, or the whole body. Tisha B'Av is like Yom Kippur in that respect. And also, that Benesh Mashot actually is prohibited on both. We don't allow people to eat and drink on the Benesh Mashot of the fast. As soon as the sun goes down, we, the, the fast begins.